0: Your son is gone.
1: He was weak and foolish like his father. So I destroyed him.
0: Welcome to the Week and Foolish Movie Podcast. I'm your host Mike Tang, and with me are my fellow podcasters uh, Albert Liu
1: and Paul Shu.
0: In this episode, uh, we're going to confess our love for Scientology uh, after <laughs> se- after seeing Top Gun Maverick. We've all got to come after us after this, man. <laughs> we've all decided to convert after seeing uh, Top Gun Maverick, it's, uh, the long-awaited sequel to the 1986 classic. Um, As always, we're going to start with a non-spoiler talk where we're going to have a general discussion about the film without going into any specific plot details. And then after that, we're going to move into our spoiler discussion where we will take a deep dive into the movie. I should also say that we will be spoiling the original Top Gun movie since that's pretty much mandatory viewing prior to seeing Top Gun Maverick. On that note, I, I kind of want to emphasize how important it is to do your homework before a major sequel like this one. And what I mean by doing your homework is watching the previous films in a franchise first before seeing the latest entry. Uh, Top Gun Maverick is surprisingly emotional, and I don't think the impact of this movie would be the same if you haven't seen the original movie. So folks at home, please do your homework. Watch the 19- 1986 Top Gun before watching Top Gun Maverick. All right, now let's talk non-spoilers. Albert, what did you think about Top Gun: Maverick? Superb.
2: I mean, it's it's why we go to the movies. It's um, authentically filmed, and what I mean by that is I'm not trying to diss on any uh, other blockbuster, but you know when Tom Cruise is in a F-18, he's in the F-18 Hornet, and is pulling those G's, and you, you're right in the cockpit with him. How many movies you know will do that to you um, in the theater? Mm-hmm. Not many. He's, he's really, really a one of a kind movie star and, and probably the truest mega movie star that we have, because it is really through his will that this movie is the way it is. And I'm so glad that he didn't sort of cave in, if you believe the rumors, to Paramount about pushing this on streaming Um and 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 kept in the movie theaters because you, you honestly you know this is like Dune. If if I would say it's even more so than Dune, a necessary I, I watch. I agree. I agree. Yeah, on 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 the big screen, it, it's just you know everybody's in those those planes flying around, and 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 that's that's hard to replicate. This is already an extremely niche. Uh, a genre in, in movie making which is fighter pilot movies there's only like a handful of movies and most of them aren't very good so uh, and, and this is easily the best one um, so yeah definitely I'll gush more as we keep talking so I need awesome. pace out and you gotta pace out
0: yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah we don't want to go you know <laughs> full throttle just yet yeah. um, Paul Hsu uh, what did you think about Top Gun Maverick
1: Dude, so, I mean, the last time I enjoyed an action movie this much in theaters was a certain film starring Tom Cruise that featured death defying stunts and practical effects, you know, also known as Mission Impossible Fallout. So, uh, I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I pretty much won't shut up about how Tom Cruise is the last great action hero of our time and how he's one of the biggest driving forces of the theatrical experience outside of comic book movies, pretty much. And even with all that, you know, I I actually wasn't like dying to see this movie. Uh, My, my most anticipated film of the year was actually Men. And and we all know how that went, Uh, especially if you tune into our podcast. Um, But yeah, I mean, I wasn't as excited to see Top Gun because I never grew up with the original and I had like no nostalgic value over it. But it, it didn't matter. Like this movie was freaking incredible. Like I had a I had a stupid grin on my face for pretty much the entire runtime of the movie. And it just (coughs) reaffirmed, excuse me. It reaffirmed to me that Cruz is basically, I mean, he's the goat because he gives his all to people who, who please, uh, or he he gives all to, to people who go to the, the theaters and to see his movies. And, you know, it, it's interesting because the one thing, that I notice happens the most when I talk to people about Tom Cruise and his movies, I'm like, whenever I say, Oh, you got to go see his movie or whatever. The number one thing is, I don't really like him because he's weird. Like he believes in Scientology, but look, man, like (laughs) I'm not going to defend Scientology, but I'm just going to argue counterpoint that almost everyone in Hollywood is freaking weird and has really weird beliefs Um, and say what you will about his crazy beliefs. But, unlike most of Hollywood, this man weaponizes his insanity and transcribes it onto the big screen for our pleasure. And I think, you know, Top Gun Maverick is one of the very few films in existence to be better than its predecessor in virtually every way. And I think, you know, watching the original Top Gun this past weekend, I thought to myself, like, like, to be honest, I was like, man, this is like the worst Tom Cruise performance I've seen in any of his movies. And I think that had a lot to do with Uh, It was one of his earliest films. So, you know, he's still a young kid. Um, But I mean, the film in general, like even though, you know, Mike, I totally agree with Mike saying you have to do your homework. You have to watch this film beforehand. Just know that, you know, a lot of these things in the original film, they don't age super well. Uh, Tom Cruise is kind of creepy in the film. There's a lot of swaying dudes. Uh, If you like that, you know, good for you. Um, (laughs) But I mean, going from the original Tom, uh, Top Gun to Top Gun Maverick, you see Tom Cruise's growth as not only as an actor, but as a producer. And you see how, you know, he, he's spoken at length about how he wasn't able to make this sequel until now. And I think having that knowledge and having that technology to make the film that he envisioned. And I mean, the end product was worth the two-year wait. Uh, I, I think just watching this movie, I, like, I almost... I almost like got glassy eyed because I just thought to myself, like this movie exists. It's as good as it is. And I'm seeing it in a theater on the biggest screen possible. And it was just an amazing experience. Like if you had to pick one movie to see in theaters for the rest of the year, I would say go see Top Gun Maverick.
2: I I have to add to that. And, and Paul, I agreed with, um, everything you said, um, Regarding Tom Cruise and his growth as an actor and a producer, I, I grew up with the first Top Gun. I've watched it like a million times. I know I'm exaggerating, but I'm pretty darn sure. At least I watch it once every <laughs> yeah. year. And um, it made me fall in love with the F-14 Tomcat, which for the longest time I thought was the coolest fighter jet ever made because of the way its its wings could sort of fold back. And I kind of loved how like two men could sort of like, or two pilots could fit inside the cockpit. Um, even though, even by 86, it had sort of been out for like 20 years or something like that. But yeah, I I agree with Paul in the sense that Top Gun has not aged well, the very first one. It, it's very much an encapsulation of its time, right? The attitude, sort of this gung-ho, uh, you know, uh, Reagan 80s, you know, military coolness that yeah. curve only existed back then you know like sort of like how movies like Rambo curve only existed uh in the 80s and that sort of stuff um that being said it's still one of the coolest 80s movies you're ever gonna um ever find even to this day I I, I love the way it looks and and yes Tom Cruise was young But he carried that movie. I can't imagine another actor uh, uh, being that charming in that role at that age for for that type of movie. And as, as, as much as the effects and the cinematography pale in comparison to this newest movie as of, you know, it's been 30 years. I, you know, for like, I think maybe until the early 2000s, it was the standard for sort of aerial flight cinematography. Um, so I, I think that's why it's legend grew and grew, despite the fact that there were a lot of things about that that didn't age ext- well but particularly the romance it is a little you know i agree with paul it does get a little creepy the older you get and the more you watch it but you know it's just the sign of the times that movie is of its time so yeah for sure yeah so um yeah but it was great to to see it on the on the uh to uh, to uh, uh see top Gun back and uh, yeah. i guess we could get into that next Mm -hmm.
0: well well albert like um you know just being such a big fan of the original yourself uh like how do you feel like this one compares to the original do you think it's better than the original
2: yes it is better but it's kind of like better by default it's better because you know it's been 30 years they can't make a movie the way they used to and the technology the miniaturization of cameras allows you to get all these different angles and, and, and and you know, the CG is a little better. They kind of sort of can tell less of the difference between what's real and what's not. Um, and also, they, they had more time to sort of hash out a story, right? I think this movie would have been very, very different had Tony Scott, you know, not died and continued working on it 10 years ago as planned. Um, but yeah, I think it is better, but it also makes the original better in a way too oh i totally agree it is very very aware of the passes of time and um that's why i love about story a maverick story so yeah
0: yeah awesome i i think this is one of the best sequels ever made uh and i know i agree with you albert it kind of is by default right because you know they only made one of these and 36 years has passed but I think it belongs up there with Empire Strikes Back, Terminator 2, Aliens, The Dark Knight. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's up there. It's, it's that tier of just the sequels being that much better than the original. And uh, I think this movie is the perfect legacy sequel. And, and what do I mean by legacy sequel? It's, it's basically a sequel to a, a decades-old franchise. Uh, it brings back the same actors from the original movies, while introducing some brand new, younger characters who get mixed in. And there's a lot of nostalgia. Legacy sequels, they capitalize on that by referencing moments from the original, whether it's lines or music or similar shots or events. And Legacy sequels, they kind of chart a new path forward. And Talk About Maverick does all that stuff, and it does it perfectly. I feel like this was a perfect continuation of what we saw in 1986, I feel like the classic characters, Maverick, Goose, Iceman, they're all honored with solid, solid writing, uh, clear motivations. And, you know, there have been legacy sequels that feel like a betrayal of the original IP. And, uh, you know, we've got to bring up The Last Jedi. It's, all, it's of often cited hey! as one. <laughs> I mean, favorite. you know, you, you know, it's deba- bring up
2: rise of Skywalker, too, you know, uh,
0: it's debatable. OK, but, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of cite that as a, you know, an example of a betrayal. Uh, but, you know, some people love La- the last Jedi. OK, so, you know, just thought I'd mention that we got to mention Star Wars. I Mention it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I wonder uh, how many last Jedi fans like tune out this podcast because we constantly talk about it.
0: well uh, well, job is one so he's he's always going to be here to to defend it well although he's not here right now um but i i love the new characters in this movie also like obviously the the old ones are great but uh hangman phoenix rooster bob we'll talk more about those guys later those people later uh but they're they're just as likable i feel like as the legacy ones and i want to see more stories with these new ones and you know like paul i didn't really grow up watching the original i've always seen like you know, bits and pieces here and there on TV. I think I saw it in its entirety from beginning to end in back in 2019. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I know the, the characters, their names are classic. They're as classic as a soundtrack. Uh, but I feel like the original movie had a story that lacked urgency and tension. I feel like there's a lot of good stuff elements in there, but I didn't just, I didn't feel uh, like the suspense that I think I should have felt. And I think, you know, this this is also a result of, you know, the era that it came out in, right? But the plane scenes, I know it was revolutionary at the time, but I think watching it now, it's kind of hard to make out what's happening and kind of just tune everything out like like it's white noise. And I feel like what sets Top Gun Maverick apart from other legacy sequels is that this one is, I, I feel like it's vastly superior to the original movie. I, I think even though the structure of the movie's, uh, very similar to the original. It does everything so much better that the rivalries are amped amped up. There's much stronger tension and drama in the story. There's much higher stakes. I I feel like the mission in the original movie wasn't very clear, uh, but in this one, it's like crystal clear. You know exactly what they're doing, what they're preparing for it's like a
2: smidgen more clear, in my opinion, but I, I will talk about that later.
0: Okay. I yeah. mean, I, I think the, the, I've seen the original twice in its entirety, and I, it's, for me, like, it's not as interesting of a movie, so I, I just kind of, you know, things get a little bit muddled, I think. But I think most importantly, like you, you, you both mentioned, the, the plane sequences, the aerial combat, it's just multitudes better, obviously because of the technology that we have now. And I feel like the action is a lot easier to track. In this one, as a result, um, with all this said, I think you know, we we talked we talked about this in, on the podcast, but I, I actually wish I hadn't seen the first two trailers for this movie.
2: Uh, oh, I think it was hard to avoid, it was,
0: it, it was supposed to be out too, but years I ago. avoided
1: them, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I watched good, the first that's good,
0: yeah. I mean, it was supposed to come out in 2020, 2020 and then in 2021, so I saw those two trailers before I made this this vow of not watching uh, trailers for certain movies. Uh, you know, but, and I think it would have added a little bit more enjoyment seeing some of these aer- aerial shots for the first time in the movie itself. Uh, this made me think of what I call the uh, trifecta of movie preparation, basically three essential things you can do to maximize your experience of a movie in the theaters. And I think obvious things like finding the best screen and sound system, those things are a given. Okay, but mm-hmm. I think no trailers is very important. If I hadn't seen trailers for Top Gun Maverick, I think I would have like been floored. Uh, so I, I kind of envy you, Paul, for your experience.
1: Dude, I, I was floored, man.
0: Yeah, I like, was super floored. Those wide shots of them inside the cockpit is like, it's, oh, yeah, I, I so wish awesome. the first time I saw that was in the theater. Um, I've mentioned this earlier also, but uh, doing your homework, obviously watching previous movies in the franchise. And I'm going to add one. So I'm going to talk about one that we haven't mentioned before, but opening Ooh. night. Opening oh. night.
1: Okay? okay,
0: so no trailers, do your homework, and opening night. And I cannot emphasize how awesome it was seeing Top Gun Maverick opening night. There, there. I've never seen so many older people in, in a screening before yeah, packed yeah. into an IMAX screening.
1: Oh, yeah, all the boomers came out, dude. Yeah, this
0: yeah. movie
2: brought... I was reading it brought out the... Um, over 35 crowd which had all the dads right right
0: Right. yeah that makes (laughs) sense
2: considering the age of the movie so
0: i mean there are cheers and tears from people sitting all around me people same age as me people same age as our dads and you know i think it just added an extra layer of enjoyment obviously we all love the movie we didn't all watch it on opening night but you know i just felt like that was a little bit that, that was a lot of fun there was an electricity in the air Uh, that isn't there I don't think in subsequent showings and I think um, I think back to Spider-Man No Way Home like I I saw that opening night and that was like amazing and then I saw that Saturday opening weekend but just even Saturday two days later it's just not it's not the same the air in the room is not the same as Thursday night all right so I just wanted to to get on my soapbox and and kind of advocate for these uh, these three essential things that you can do. Good points, I, good I can't,
2: points. I can't help it. I think the no trailer rule is going to be really hard for me. I'm like a moth to a flame.
0: So. <laughs> yeah. I'll get
2: the like, hype. Give it to me. So. Well, uh,
0: you know, Albert, everything that you say about, you know, it, the difficulty of avoiding trailers, like I said those same things to Paul years ago. I heard it all before, man. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> once I, and I tried it and I was like, okay, now I'm like kind of addicted to that. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like avoiding temptation. There's like a, it's like a game that you're playing, you know, with yourself.
1: (laughs) And then you know that there's going to be amazing payoff, amazing reward for it. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Any other non-spoiler thoughts before we dive in?
1: No, let's
2: go right into it. I want to talk about the opening scene. Yeah.
0: All right. So if you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet, please just go out to the theater emphasis on theater, just the biggest screen possible. Just watch the movie, it's amazing. All right, with that said, we're gonna jump into spoilers. No, no, you're still holding on, let go. I wanna say uh, that I recently watched a movie about a young man whose parents passed away a long time ago, who's now being trained by his father's good friend and war buddy. And at the movie's climax, the young man goes on a suicide mission. (coughs) With his new friends to bomb a single small target of an mean Dang it. Beast. You
2: took it, took the words right out of my mouth. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It is a Star Wars plot, this whole movie. Yeah. But go ahead. <laughs> I had the same idea when I was sitting there. I was like, oh, sounds
0: familiar. Yeah. And they, they, they do a literal trench run. They, yeah.
2: It's literally a tr- trench run. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, right. I, I don't know. No, this maybe I'm, maybe Pat maybe Patty Jenkins heard about this movie. Is that he took my idea? I can't do it. So oh, that's why they deleted uh, Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron. <laughs> yeah, but
0: whatever. All right. So um, so like how, what we like to do on this podcast is we like to talk about uh, each major section of the movie. That's how we kind of discuss it. So the first section is Act One. Right. Uh, it starts with Maverick testing the Dark Star scramjet, and then. He's threatened by a rear Admiral Kane played by uh, by Ed Harris uh, to ground him immediately, permanently. Uh, But then he's sent to Top Gun to train an elite group of young pilots. He rekindles his relationship with Penny Benjamin, who was uh, mentioned in the first movie. All right, so this is like act one-ish of the movie.
1: All right, first hot take straight out the gate. Uh, I wish that they replaced ed harris and uh john ham's roles i wish they switched them oh yeah because i just feel like man ed harris is so awesome dude like his 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 scene he i mean he's only in it for like five minutes but just the way that he he looks at this age his voice his like his menacing like demeanor you know i I just felt like you you give me that in the first five minutes and then you give me john ham and i'm like i mean i like john ham but I, I just wish that they switched the two of them, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like both of them. I, I would definitely like to have seen more Ed Harris for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. He really chews up every scene and he just has those eyes that, yeah. that kind of glare right through you. So um, that was. I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, and that
0: that voice too—the gravity right. deep voice.
2: Yeah, right. I I, I kind of want to talk a lot about sort of like the recreation of the original intro. Okay. Oh the, yeah, yeah, go for it. Used for the beginning of it. I have to say, once I heard that 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 uh that beginning note of the original uh, soundtrack followed by the bell, I I like smiled. Like yeah, I I I was like, oh we're. we're these guys know what they're doing and yep, they come out yeah. the intro, which by the way is slightly different. this is how you kind of know. Uh, I can't, I can't really, I even know it's just the first time, but um, they added uh, in the original intro is just, you know, the best men to pilot. And in this one, it was men and women. That's the only mm. difference, but it's, it's a oh, nice, okay. it's a yeah. nice sort of, you know, this is the time um, we're in. And then they go to an aircraft carrier and um, uh, of- it's, Danger zone and, and 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 it's really awesome and and you do see a next generation fighter on that deck which is the F thirty five right which they didn't use in the mo- this movie for some bullshit reason uh, <laughs> but that that from what I read that that reason was because F thirty five is a single uh, pilot plane uh. and, and, and they needed they needed a two pilot plane for for um, the movie to work because that was the only way they could shoot make sure someone was piloting while the actors were sort of strapped into the back um so uh i understand that but you know the, the the reason about not using you know the f-35 um there's also another next generation fighter the f-22 the f-22 is uh air force and top gun is navy so they they stick with you know you only see the f-35 briefly in the beginning but that's our, our next gen or latest generation fighter and um uh, you know, so it's cool to see it briefly, but uh, you know, the F thirty five is never going to be as sexy as the uh, F eighteen, and I'm I'm glad they stuck with that because the F eighteen actually launches off a oh, aircraft carrier. The F thirty five doesn't do that. It's a what you call a vertical takeoff and landing oh, we plane. Okay. So yeah, I'm geeking out a little, but I I, I loved seeing those planes, you know so shiny and, and with the sun glistening on it, it was such a nice homage to Tony Scott. I feel like they yeah. didn't really have to start the movie that way, but they did. And, and to show you that this is a legacy sequel, right? Right. As much as it is its own. So I really, really, really appreciated that. And just as a flight nerd, I, I totally love seeing the scratch test because that's actually going on right now. Um, we are testing very, very similar uh flight vehicles i i think probably Lockheed martin is um uh and from what i also read uh they actually got some engineers from i think skunk works to sort of uh advise on this um on on the design of this this dark star and it, it was really great to see uh maverick in the pilot see as a test pilot because that totally makes sense for someone who who um is aging but they don't want to like get promoted right you would just be a test pilot like a chuck yeager or something like that so i i have to say as a as a flight nerd as a flight uh military aircraft nerd i completely geeked out that was just awesome so so happy that they did all that
0: well i'm so happy that you're on this podcast because i know nothing about planes yes. and, and aviation and any of that stuff so thank god you're here i mean paul do you know are you like an aviation fanatic that
1: no, I just know that the, the planes start with F and there's numbers behind them. <laughs> uh, like that, that's pretty much it, dude. I, but the one thing, I mean, so from my understanding, the Dark Star is not a real sh- uh, plane. It's um, not,
2: but they're doing they're testing planes like it now. Okay, Fantastic. yeah. So yeah.
1: so the extent of my knowledge was like I, I saw that ship and I was like, this looks like a Lockheed uh, Blackbird or something, right? And then that that's that's where my knowledge ended. I was like, oh, do they? Is that the is that their plane? But I guess once it went Mach ten, I was like, okay, I, I don't know if this is. A You're real. super <laughs> close.
2: You're super yeah. close because I think the Blackbird, uh, 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 the next iteration of it, is the one that that's rumored to have being tested. Right? Oh,
0: okay. Yeah so oh, so i don't know these words that you're saying but uh
2: <laughs> but, um, i'm sorry i'm probably gonna nerd out in the audience <laughs> and they're like what the hell is this guy's talking about so
0: but uh it yeah. reminded me of like the stealth uh stealth fighter from uh broken arrow have you seen broken arrow with uh, not john in a long Muir? time <laughs> <laughs> no. and Christian that's Slater. john
2: woo's first movie in the state yeah yeah, yeah 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 john woo's
0: yeah. well no, no that's the second american film the first
2: one was, was hard his target first? Oh, no. Pardon? Oh, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, snap, man. So man.
1: if it's a John Woo film, does that mean that it's a giant dove? <laughs> sh- it's kind of like... Yeah. <laughs> he
0: probably wanted to paint it white, but... Uh, yeah, it was yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about this opening scene where he does test the scramjet. I, I want to just gush about how beautifully written this was. It's just so simple, right? It's just the action supports the character and it shows us who Maverick is without telling us. And I know there's people out there who's not, who are not going to do the homework. They're just going to go in blind and see this movie. But immediately they give you a sense of who this guy is, right? Um, and, and, you know, he's told the program's being scrapped by his superiors. He goes against the orders. He just runs the test anyways. He's told the goal is Mach 10. He reaches that goal and then, nope, he pushes past that, risking the stability that, of the scramjet. Right. So it's only after we're shown these things about Maverick that we are told things about him. Right. Despite all his accomplishments, he's still he's ranked a lot lower than he actually should be. Right. And, and so I, I just feel like it was just such a simple but effective way to introduce us or reintroduce us to, to Maverick. And, you know, really, things haven't changed with this guy in the last like 30 plus years.
1: Yeah, well said.
0: Okay, I also want to mention. I mean, the sequence is so simple, right? There's numbers, there's the scramjet, and then there's the command center, and we're cut. It, it cross cuts between these three things, right? We see the Mach Mach nine nine point five or whatever, and then we see Tom Cruise in the scramjet. We see everyone in the command center with Ed Harris, and then um, I, I think this is just the power of simplicity and, and clarity, like the action so clear. We know what the numbers mean as it gets higher and higher. And we see this, the aircraft like start to shake, starts to, you know, burn. And it's, it's very suspenseful just having these three elements and switching between them. Right. we see the reaction of the command center to what Maverick is doing in, in, in the uh, aircraft.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just so much tension from seeing this number go up <laughs> and then you're like, wow, so this is how they're going to start the movie. And uh, I, I think Tom Cruise was saying that the shot of them uh, of the of the dark star flying over Ed Harris's face and like the wind like lifts the lid of the the building on the left like lifts it up it. and stuff. They uh, that was the only take that they had because the you know the jet like destroyed the set. So that's yeah. what they had to go with, and it was such a good shot. And props to Ed Harris for standing his ground and not. Flying oh
0: away. yeah, he budged a little bit, but he, you know, yeah, a
1: little bit, a little bit. Yeah,
0: I think there's also like a a meta ness of the story, right? Uh, the whole conversation between Ed Harris and Tom Cruise, uh, or or uh, Admiral Kane, right, and Maverick, right. He tells Maverick that he's one the last of his kind, right, and kind of like Tom Cruise, he's the last of his kind. He's the last movie star who could really draw in an audience purely based on his star power. Uh, he's one of the last, right? And I think he's also represents older Hollywood that believes in movie theaters. And the pandemic was like a crisis for theaters, right? Everyone's talking about how, uh, you know, theaters are being phased out for streaming in this movie. Pilots are being phased out for drones. Uh-huh. Um, and then Tom Cruise just makes that declarative statement you know, maybe so sir but not today right I just wanted to like freaking like worship at his feet you know I, like...
2: <laughs> I, have, I have this I have this theory about Tom Cruise because you know we, we talk about him being a movie star I'll make this real brief but he didn't really start off his career like that he started off doing a bunch of small movies and and admirably he has done a lot of risky projects um and it wasn't really until like the later half of his 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 uh, whole life that he really sort of started stepping into the action star role right with the with the first mission impossible was probably when 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 we when all kicked out but i have this theory that in any movie that uh christopher mccoy writes is is sort of like tom cruise trying to be the most ideal version of himself so <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about that later yeah. as
0: well well yeah like you know there's a fate he did mission impossible but then i think after that he was it was jerry mcguire the year after mm-hmm. yeah he started Eyes just going shut eyes wide shut and then he was in um magnolia magnolia yeah he was really serious about acting for that phase right and then after that he's just kind of like no i'm gonna be an action star (laughs) yeah and you kind of see the evolution of his the characters that he plays right in mission apostle 3 he's like a family guy like he wants to get married and and settle down and then um oil and then even before that mission impossible Two, he's he's got the long hair he's like this rock star and then it's got the uh, dubs, got the yeah, dubs. Yeah. yeah right 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 and i think now he's just uh he's just like he's finally acknowledging he's he's getting old right i think this is the first movie where they're like i remember even the mummy a couple of years ago the like Russell crowe's character in the mummy have you guys seen that movie? Uh, no, nope. I haven't. Yep. Oh, it's weird, man. They keep. That's what I heard Russell Crowe keeps telling Tom Cruise like, "And you, a young man, w- w- whatever <laughs> you know." So he's called a young man throughout the Mummy, and it's like he's he doesn't want to acknowledge and, and, and accept the fact that he's like becoming old. Right. And yeah. I think he's the first one that that we're okay. That's finally being acknowledged, even though he looks like great, and he. He has the same body as all the young people in, the, in this movie. Yeah, yeah I
2: mean, yeah, I, they made that painful. I mean, they made that yeah. very obvious, right? So,
1: <laughs> Like, I wonder how much it hurts Tom Cruise to know that he's going to be 60 in a month, but also, like, how much joy it brings him to know that he's, like, outlived, like, everyone from his era. Like, we haven't talked about it yet, but, you know, Kelly McGillis and Meg Ryan are not, you know, they were in the original Top Gun and they weren't asked to come back for Top Gun Maverick. And I think it was after the the last podcast I did where Mike showed me a side by side photo of Kelly McGillis and Tom Cruise like back then and now and it's like 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 whose virgin blood are you drinking Tom Cruise like seriously it's like so it's so crazy how well he's aged compared to his his you know previous co- uh, castmates but I mean dude he it it it's a shame in a sense that we're getting like the best version of Tom Cruise now that he's like almost 60, but it's just like, man, you you can't take it for granted, dude. He's like, so he's so good at what he does now. That's for sure.
0: Uh, What did you guys think about the new characters? Uh, We got Hangman, Phoenix, Rooster amongst others.
2: I love them all. I mean, you know, uh, oh, Miles Teller never hears that. He's like a guy I always want to hate, but I can't because it's, he's a good actor. <laughs> I don't know why I, I feel like that about him. I, I just always picture him as sort of being someone I would sort of cast as a jerk. But he's, you know, he's always been good in any movie I've seen him in and and the way he channeled um, his fictional father Goose was was perfect. Like yeah. you, you could, you know, this is really ultimately a movie about father and sons, and 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 what legacy is, and and I really kind of like how he sort of balanced that whole thing about Rooster trying to, you know, follow but not follow his father's footsteps, and 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 Maverick trying to be a surrogate father for him because of the guilt he he felt like he had a you know, because of his role in Goose's death. Um, and uh, I thought he did it really well. I thought the rest of the cast was very, very charismatic. I actually looked up almost each of them. And I'm like, where are these people? You know, like maybe yeah. except for the guy who plays Hangman. I haven't really mm-hmm. heard much about anybody else. And they all seem very charismatic, right? Because like the movie notes, these are all type A folks you know, because to be the best of the best, you know, you're gonna be in a room full of type A folks, and this is you know the movie's very good at sort of playing that type of dynamic uh between each of the characters.
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought I, I totally agree. I, I thought you know Miles Teller was a really, really good casting choice. Uh just even like yeah he just looks a lot like like his fictional father, you know, and it's it's crazy because when i saw him i was like oh i actually forgot he was in this movie and then i remembered like man i haven't seen him in anything in a long time and then i checked his filmography and he hasn't been in a movie since 2017 so i don't know what happened whiplash? he's in the offer right now which oh is, yeah. yeah Well, whiplash was 2014 oh wow. yeah so yeah so he he had a little bit of a hiatus but uh yeah i i think he's he's pretty much like he's excellent in everything that I've seen him in. And I love Glenn Powell too. Um, yeah. I, I thought he was someone that I've seen more of, but I've pretty much only seen him in um, everybody wants some, which is a, you know, a link later film that I really loved. Um, but he, he embodies the same kind of like the same kind of douchey energy that was really lovable in that film. And, and he has it in this film as well. Um, and yeah, similar to you, Albert, I was like, I, I didn't recognize a lot of these people, like, you know bill pullman's son lewis Pullman. Right. i yeah. had no idea he was same here in the industry and um yeah. the the female uh, character monica barbaro she was really good um i th- i think she played her character really well um and of course you know the the og like supporting cast ed harris you know jennifer connelly speaking of Definitely. people who aged really well yeah. i mean dude oh yeah aged yeah. so well uh, yeah. and and even though i was you know kind of disrespecting john Hamm earlier i mean he he he's great in his role as well. Um, I, I think he he played the character that that the movie needed him to play. Um, whether or not that character needs to exist is uh, is a topic of uh, a point of debate, I guess. But um, I, I think I think what he he does is you know it, it's fitting for the movie. So I, I enjoyed the entire cast. Oh, and um, the guy who plays Hondo, I don't know his name, but he was he was really awesome too.
0: Yeah, I just want to mention that Hangman, uh Glenn Powell, man, he looks exactly like his character's attitude. Right. He yeah. just looks <laughs> yeah. like a it's
2: it's funny because I I thought about this. The only movie I had to actually see him in was he he played he played a pretty good John Glenn in, in Hidden Figures. And so he's like the good pilot in in, in that movie, oh. you know. And in this one, he was sort of like the asshole. Either way, you look at him, <laughs> him and you think, Oh, he's a pilot, <laughs>
1: you know. yeah. So, yeah. Well, I forgot to mention his most notable role is uh, the guy who gets his head caved in by Bane in Dark Knight Rises when Bane goes to the the stock market exchange or whatever, and he, like, oh. smashes his head in. That's Glenn Powell, dude. Oh, wow. I <laughs> yeah. got to
2: look at that again. Yeah, but I agree with you. The entire cast is extremely likable. You know, I have to confess, I I, I didn't make the connection that um, Jennifer Connelly's... Uh, 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 character was actually mentioned in the first movie. I had actually shown my wife Alice talk on she had never seen it from beginning to end the day before we went to see it and and she instantly made that connection it wasn't until we actually were talk- we were talking about the movie uh, for hours by the way um, that um, that she told me I was like oh geez I didn't even catch that but that's good it, it made the movie.
1: Yeah when they call her when they call her Penny I'm like oh I'm pretty sure they mentioned that name in the first movie, but I wasn't sure if we saw Penny in the first movie, but you you don't see her. She's only mentioned by name in the first movie. Right, right. Yeah. So it was very clever.
0: All right, let's move on to Act 2. This is where Maverick plans an attack uh, through a canyon to destroy an enemy uranium plant. And there's friction between Hangman and Rooster, as well as Maverick and Rooster. Eventually, Maverick meets with Iceman, and uh, Cyclone. Uh, the the John Ham character removes Maverick eventually as the trainer, and then Maverick makes an unauthorized flight and proves the mission can be done his way.
1: All, All right. right. Yeah. The, uh, so yeah, sorry, oh, Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Um, so the the one thing I I wanted to talk about was, uh, I mean, no no disrespect to. Joe Kuz- Kaczynski and the other writers of this film, but the moment they like laid out the, the plan of attack for this for for this movie story, I was like, dude, this movie has Christopher McQuarrie written all over it, and I I I think like that it, it in many ways it just felt like another Mission Impossible movie. Um, I think the stakes that are set up and the method with uh, in which to accomplish you know the mission. It was just like, dude, it's like I'm watching Mission Impossible, like 6.5 at this point, because one thing I remember about um, McHugh talking about the production of uh, Mission Impossible Fallout was that they didn't have a script ready to, to go, like prior to starting the film. But what they did instead was they scouted locations and they're like, you know what, this this place would be really cool for this set piece. Let's build the script and the story and the scene around this set piece which is, you know, incredibly unorthodox, and uh, I think a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't go that kind of route. Like, you know, Christopher Nolan would probably loses mind if he if he tried to do that. Um, but yeah, I just felt like the the way that they 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 set up the plot of this film is like, look, guys, there there's an imminent danger that will destroy all of mankind unless we do a very difficult, very specific sequence of really cool stuff. That makes us look really awesome and then we'll save the world and <laughs> it, that's like essentially the plot of every single mission impossible and the plot of this movie which i thought was you know freaking awesome I yeah loved it.
2: and kind of like the first movie the enemy is unnamed you don't really know who right. It yeah is. right you just know they're supplied by you know the russians right like every other cold war adversary uh uh or country is and um so i i kind of thought that was hilarious like they, never, they don't talk about the geopolitical you know repercussions of this mission. It's just you know we just gotta take out, and this is the mission, and right. And you, right. you don't need to bother about the specifics
1: and stuff. And, and I think the the reason the first the first movie feels a bit more disjointed in the story is because the first half is like just going to Top Gun, everyone's bonding, everyone's learning how to become better pilots. They graduate, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, there, there's like bad guys. You have to take out the bad guys. But then in Top Gun Maverick. That's the first yeah. thing. One of the first things that they introduce is there is a threat uh, and we have to train these uh, these pilots to, you know, address the threat and to be able to solve it. And then so from there on out, you know, the stakes, you know, what has to be done. And then you're able to kind of just enjoy how the movie unfolds and how it kind of resolves that problem.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really great kind of like seeing maverick trying to figure out how to build his team right yeah like like um and because he recognized he recognizes um how hard it will be with these you know as we said earlier the type a personalities and also he's sort of conflicted about sending goose's son off into this mission as well since we find out in this act he he was the one who held back rooster's uh career by four years because he denied him um early entry into in, into the uh, naval fly academy. Yeah. Um so I, I really loved sort of the dramatics of that, that like his sort of like I mean that the chickens are kind of coming home to roost for him in a bit. Like the the sort of sins of the past or the mistakes of the past have stayed with him for like um 30 years. And and um it, it's nice to see them build
0: off of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love I love how Goose's death hangs over this entire movie. Yeah, right, and that and right. that's just the basis for all the drama and the tension and, and the emotional stakes, uh, because of Maverick's guilt and also Goose's anger towards Maverick. Um, just I, I love how that was just set up and, and just very clear uh, right from the beginning. Um, that I thought it was a little bit cheesy, you know, when Maverick sees a, a rooster. Playing the uh the the balls of yeah. fire yeah. song on the yeah. piano, I was like, oh man! Of all the songs yeah. he's gonna play, he's gonna play that one song.
2: Yeah, it's the most triggering, man. <laughs> he's got yeah. that sort of flashback, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: It, it it did his job, and uh, you know, I'm not gonna complain too much because I I, I kind of felt I was like, oh, that's a nice callback. Um, I, I think going back to what I said earlier about how the movie's use of numbers, right, in the opening sequence, they're all about Mach nine, Mach 10 and not right. going past Mach 10. Right. And this one, and then once they start talking about the mission it's now a time limit and it's like a countdown and it's like how, uh, how they have to train to, to get through the, the course of uh, the obstacles and, and to, to successfully bomb the plant. And I, I just, uh, again, I think that's an effect, just an effective form of suspense and right. really effective and- writing.
2: Going back to what you said, we also know how, how what it does to because of the scramjet scene, what does the human body to get close to Mach 10? And over here, when they have to make that incline out of the valley, right. like they are successfully bombing, they're going way past nine. So we know yeah. the danger of them blocking out. Plus, you have SAM missiles, SAM sites on uh, top, <laughs> just to you know, icing on the cake to make this sort of a mission no one can come back from. Right. Uh, right uh it makes it super super uh you know like it just raises the stakes right so right um yeah
0: should talk right. about iceman by the way oh yeah that oh that my gosh that up. yeah okay uh, albert i mean you're the longtime fan how did you feel when uh these two characters finally meet
2: i teared up man i mean i it's kind of it's just i was trying to figure out how they were gonna involve Al Kilmer, um, seeing that his, you know, because of his throat cancer, he lost his voice. And the way they did it was was excellent. It was it was tasteful, it honored the character. It was it was so good to see Maverick and Iceman as as such good friends, right? That Iceman has continually sort of kept him in the navy and and because he recognizes something very special in Maverick that that, that just can't be duplicated, and that sort of you know, I think with just three or four simple lines on the computer, you learn so much about what trust is and mentorship, and and it absolutely moved me. I I seriously was brought to tears um, at, at that scene. And, and Val Kilmer, you know, uh, I know he has this reputation of being a difficult actor to work with throughout his career, but he's always been a great actor. He really has. Uh, you know, uh, Doc Holliday and Tombstone, all all these other roles, and and, right. and this one, he totally. Provided emotional gravity for that scene with his subtle mannerisms. I totally dig, uh, totally dug the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and he, Iceman is actually my favorite character from the original film, and I think it's because it's just interesting seeing us how he's he's kind of painted as like not necessarily the bad guy, but clearly the rival of the film. And there's nothing very like dishonest about him. He's just a really like, conventional, like sticks to the book. Kind of guy, very careful, and th- that you know complements Maverick so well because their their styles and their approaches are so different. So yeah, when when I saw the scene, I was like, man, it's such a such an emotionally like well earned moment. And the only thing that would have made it better is if he did the chomping gesture with his <laughs>
0: with his mouth. <laughs> <belt." laughs>
1: but yeah, I I feel like when they when they hugged it out at the end, I was just like, man, that's that's like. 30 years in the making right
0: there, dude. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool how he started... The conversation first started with him typing on the computer and then uh, it ended with him actually like speaking. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was very moving.
2: Yeah, and that made that whole scene even more powerful because we yeah. it's it's implied that it, it's painful for him to speak at this point. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I just... Yeah, I thought it was, uh you know, like other legacy sequels that have had to kind of deal with uh, one of their main stars from the, the one of the legacy characters, uh, the actors, uh, you know, either having passed away or, you know, having, in this case, like having survived cancer. Uh, I just, I liked how they wrote that into, into the story.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, i talked about earlier, had this movie been going on as planned, um, what, 2011, 2012, when Tony Scott was still involved and Val Kilmer hadn't gone through what he had gone through, uh, we we would have seen a very different Iceman-Maverick relationship, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe Iceman would have been the uh, John Hamm character.
1: Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I see that, yeah. Yeah. Did, right. So well, going yeah. off of that, uh, did you guys feel like the whole... You know, butting heads between Maverick and John Ham's character was kind of like a necessary aspect to the story.
2: I think he needed someone who was, I mean, for Maverick to be a Maverick, he needs something, someone to butt his head against, someone in a position of of authority right, right. so I, I i think we were gonna see that type of yeah. character and it was kind of interesting i wish they kind of played more on that it's implied that he, uh john ham's character cyclone was was the top top gun in his class two years after uh their mm, graduation. that's right that's so right i, I kind of wonder if they had worked that more into the story somehow that would have been more interesting
0: yeah i think um i think you always have to have this trope right in a movie where you have the main character who is. A maverick, right? Like maverick, and you have to have someone the opposite, right? Who follows the rules. Uh, I mean, the I mean, it's, it's a very different movie, but I was thinking about Die Hard, and, and the cops are on one side, you know, cops and FBI agents. They got to do things a certain way by the books. But then John mcclain and Die Hard is always like, you know, making things up as he's going, and then he's not following protocols. Um,
1: sure, I see.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, yeah and, and that's how you generate some tension right between the characters um, I, I love how cyclone uh, removes Maverick uh, as the trainer um, and I love how he and, and the reasoning makes sense it's, it's sound right all this whole time he's just been showing uh these pilot these young pilots how impossible this this mission is and so he's like you're basically showing it can't be done so you're gonna get remo- you know I'm gonna remove you and then that sets up such an amazing moment where he's giving this completely bogus like briefing of the new mission, and it's like, dude, this is gonna result in everyone dying, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then freaking Maverick <laughs> takes an makes an unauthorized flight and then proves the mission can be done his way in his time.
1: Oh, so so awesome! Uh, it it so satisfying. So cool. yeah. yeah, just I I, I love I, how I...
0: And, and and Paul, I I really think. That was Christopher McCrory's hands, you know, kind of setting mm. all the pieces up to to, yeah. to pay off. There's all these little small payoffs in the movie.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't think that John Hamm's role is like, it, ne- it needed to be cut out or anything. It, it's just a part of me did kind of wonder, like, what if instead of having the conflict between uh, Cyclone and Maverick, if we replace that with like more like team building and more like ex- exploring the the inner turmoil of rooster and how his relationship with maverick was fractured and spent kind of more time on on the the supporting cast because you know Mm -hmm. as we said earlier like they were all just so charismatic and likable and using it more as like uh you know them overcoming the challenges that they faced uh like i can see i can kind of see another version of top gun maverick where that was kind of focused more and also with like you know Jennifer Connelly's role um I mean I think she was yeah. you know such a such a perfect love interest uh for for Tom Cruise and and for for Maverick but she was also like you know not really written into the movie like very like she she didn't have a lot of of time basically and I think in, instead of having John Ham's character we could have maybe explored you know those two areas a little bit more but either way I mean I think the the payoffs were worth it so
2: yeah i I feel like i'll talk about another sort of weakness i find with personal um by the way opinion uh, i find Christopher McQuarrie's (laughs) scripts is they always tend to be um or at least the mission possible stuff is it tends to sort of always be in the favor of of the main character everything's sort of it's a team effort mm. but at the end of the day it's sort of like circling around tom cruise in a way mm-hmm. and, and that's what the penny character is right she's kind of interesting in her own right you want to know more about her but at the end of the day she's a recurring love interest in his life which means that um you see someone she ha- he has to sort of eventually decide whether he wants to settle down with her or something um and i feel like that's really her only purpose in in the way
0: yeah, she almost she's pretty prominent in the first half of the movie, but I think she just starts to get phased out. Yeah, uh, right. after after they bone that one time, you
1: know, and then uh, <laughs> she, she,
2: she's, she, like she's not... basically the Kelly McGinnis character,
0: the one who's there to
2: give him the pep talk, right? Yeah, right, yeah, right,
1: yeah, yeah. Which is a shame because I feel like they could have done so much more with her. I mean, Jennifer yeah. Connelly is such a capable actress. She's you know, and the character that they had for her, like, kind of, uh, you know kind of challenging Maverick uh, whenever she feels like he needs to be taking a peg down. Like, I, I feel like that was such a good compliment of a character to, to Maverick. But I mean, unfortunately we, we don't get to see as much of her, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would have been okay if the movie was like 20 minutes longer.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you know, there's Paramount plus, so. yeah, got to wait they, a month. Yeah. They, they yeah. could do a Top Gun show. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um. Well, we we know that Tom Cruise want, would have nothing to do with that because uh he hates streaming. Oh yeah, right. true. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about Joseph Kaczynski's uh directing, where just his visual style because um we have we haven't talked about it yet, but I I I think his movies look so clean and, and just uh, mm. the the lighting and everything is just a uh, very um good composition oh, too. Yeah, yeah, Excellent yeah. Composition. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just really nice to look at. um yeah. there are a lot of scenes where he uses bokeh. Um, you know the lights in the background and just really big bokeh. Um, I I just thought that was interesting. Like it's just a very pretty looking movie. I mean, if you've seen Tron Legacy and Oblivion, he's just a visual artist. And it's I'm, I, when he was announced as the director of this movie, I'm like, this hundred percent, it's gonna be a really great looking movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and that was you know. F- counterpoint that that was like me being initially kind of hesitant because i was like oh it's such it's a tron legacy and oblivion guy which you know i totally agree with you his movies look amazing and i watched oblivion last year and i was like oh i can see like it looks good but i can see why people don't really remember this movie very well but i mean i i think it's you know credit to him credit to the writers credit to tom cruise they they all work together to put this this amazing film together, and and I think, you know, he he, I think his aesthetic and his his directing style definitely benefited the movie like immensely.
0: Yeah, I think his combination of him, Tom Cruise, and Christopher McQuarrie, I think those really worked well. Uh, those elements worked really well together.
2: Yeah, yeah I, you know, I I think uh, good films are really just the right chemistry, right? Right. If right. If you look sure. at like great directors, it's not like they don't have the right. It's not like it's just all them. They just found a team they could stick with, honestly. Right, right. Yeah.
0: All right. All right, boys. Let's move on to the third act, which is, I mean, in my opinion, this is the best part of the movie. Oh, like they, yeah. percent. They, really, they saved everything for the last 30, 40 minutes of the movie, and it's spectacular. Uh, this is the mission, right? They, uh, Maverick is actually chosen as the team leader. They go in. They successfully destroyed the plant, but Maverick is shot down as he tries to save Rooster. Rooster goes against orders, returns back to save Maverick. Together, they steal an old F 14. Right? Am I right about that, Albert? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is it F 14? I don't know. If there's a uh, letter F and then a the number F. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They steal an old F 14 and then they escape uh, enemy territory uh, with, with some dogfights uh, in the middle. And the movie ends with Maverick reuniting with Penny Benjamin. All right. Uh, Again, the writing, setting up the stakes, the fact that Rooster is on this mission as Maverick's wingman, because, you know, and that's the tension, right? He wants Rooster to trust him. He wants, yeah, he wants Rooster to know that he does care for him. So he doesn't want to like isolate him. But at the same time, you know, he's the surrogate father figure. He doesn't want He doesn't want his his good friend Goose's uh, son to to also die. Uh, just love that tension uh, that that's being set up here in the final sequence, and that it just adds so much more stake to to the uh, the, the the trench run and then the mission to bomb the plant
2: yeah it's uh the trench front uh <laughs> 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 star wars right there but uh yeah i i i think it shows a maturity of the character to to trust someone right which yeah. isn't easy right you have to give trust to to receive it right and even if you may not receive it back and uh yeah that whole scene is just you know just sort of a nail-biting experience, and, yes. and it moves so quickly because you all you know they've prepped you for like an hour and forty-five minutes, or an hour forty minutes, about what what this actually is, and now you see it play out, right? Oh, and
0: when you see the the missiles, you know, at the top of the mountain. the tomahawk missiles. That's right. I'm yeah. like, oh. This is really happening now, and they, they can really die and get shot yeah, down in this yeah.
2: unknown country. By the way, we have no idea what <laughs> yeah. country it is. Yeah. yeah, but but we we know it needs to have very very rugged terrain, and apparently bridges no one uses. But you know, it, it, the way they 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 just kind of orchestrate the whole thing is is sort of magnificent. I, I said there was maybe one gripe I had about Christopher McQuarrie, which is there. You know when. When Maverick gets shot down, um, protecting Goose—that's such that's a high, dramatic mark. That... that is that
1: is the best, my favorite shot of the whole film. Right, like he he flies above him and fires off the flares. Oh yeah. my god!
2: Yeah, but imagine if, imagine if, um, imagine if uh, he had died at that scene. You know, oh, what kind, <laughs> yeah. what kind of ending that would have been? But you know, yeah. because it's Christopher McQuarrie, he can't kill off you know, the main character in this type of action movie, that's just not you know, how it goes, you know like in the Mission Impossible movies, I feel like they have a bit of a formula where there's, you know a high stakes mission, there's a bit of character development, but at the end of the day, Tom Cruise is the hero who goes home, regardless right, until the next mission I kind of felt like it kind of did that I think it only bothered me a little less because um, that whole scene where he's you know, with Rooster and, and bonding with him and they start developing a maverick and goose relationship it was so worth it. And seeing him get into the F-14 was such a you know it's a cheap nostalgic uh uh a tactic but it works <laughs> I was totally buying it so yeah you know, it, it it was great to see and to have the have have, have this aging fighter you know, come up against i think it was like a sue 57 or i might be getting the number wrong on that one and an general fighter was was like oh i wonder how they're gonna get themselves out of that scrape so um that that was you know it's just great you know it, it, but that's kind of also fun it's also a little weird because that's all we're, we're like i'd say the movie's funniest moments are sort of grouped together is is in that post-crash sequence
0: sorry i i want to i want to rewind a little bit um you know when they're on the carrier and they're about to leave for the mission right and then rooster is about to tell maverick something but the maverick's like just wait till we get back yeah oh
1: yeah the plot armor kicks in baby yeah (laughs) so
0: okay did you what what were your expectations going in uh you know did you think that one of them was going to die
1: uh, definitely not. I was like, they're okay. both surviving. They're both going to do the some crazy thing that that gets them out because at this point, like I said, dude, this third this third act is Mission Impossible, dude. Mission <laughs> yeah, six point five.
2: I, I thought if someone had to die, it'd be Maverick because his, for him, the success of the mission isn't if they bomb it this uranium facility and somehow that's placed in the middle of this mountain or I don't know why, but. Um, it's that everybody comes home, right? That's his mission, really, uh, that everybody survives. So I I, I I think if any of the other pirates had died, it would have not made sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the the scene where his plane blows up, I was like, no, it, it just apply the simple rule of uh, no body, no death. So <laughs> you, you, don't see, you don't see his body, that means he's alive, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I really like the build-up to this this whole last event because one thing we didn't address was that, you know, in the previous film, when they would do the the training exercises, uh, I think the character, his call sign was Viper, right? He would be the one trying to right. shoot down the pilots and then yeah. get the get tone, as they would say, get the lock-on tone. And then, you know, seeing that role reversed in Top Gun Maverick, where Maverick just absolutely destroys all those cocky little kids, you know, and just seeing them run through the exercises of like, you know, we, it, it feels like you as the viewer are in on this whole training thing and leading up to this third act, it's like, all right, right, we, we, we've all been training for this one moment. And then just seeing it pay off, it was like, it's so satisfying.
2: Yeah, and, and to see it come off a, the sequence where everything goes wrong in one of their training missions and it, everything echoes very much of the first Top Gun where Goose dies, right? Mm. The ejections and one the engines failing, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it made the payoff so much better.
0: Yeah. You, you know what's hilarious? What I thought was kind of hilarious was like after they successfully bombed the plant, right? They pull out of the canyon, right? Mach 9, whatever. But well, yeah. then there's all these missiles being shot at them, and that's right that the SAM sites. Not- <laughs> I'm like, where was the training for this part? <laughs> no, he, he had
2: he had mentioned it. It's it's it, right, they right. had mentioned that there were SAMs, but yeah, they yeah, didn't. Yeah. You're right in the sense that they didn't really say, well, yeah, they're know. just like. Really, right.
0: right after they're like yeah we did it and they're just scrambling around and being chased <laughs> yeah. by missiles right yeah. and
2: you're trying to recover from consciousness at the same time to, or yeah yeah, to full yeah consciousness ah. or something i mean so,
0: still yeah. that sequence is amazing once they start what is that thing that you call, they press the button in the flares. the flares yeah, okay right, yeah that's yeah. what i thought okay right so, yeah all the flares coming out like i love how they didn't introduce it until that scene and i'm just like free <laughs> this is so crazy <laughs> yeah it, noticed- it's it's meant to sort
2: of divert a missile from right. the heat that's radiating from the afterburner. Oh, so, I yeah, see. right. Oh, I
0: thought it was just meant to get in the way and, and like you know, make get the missile to like explode on uh, by impacting the uh, the flares. It, it's,
2: They're heat-seeking missiles, so you know, it's it's meant to distract the heat that's coming off from the from the engines. I see. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, just really cool, really cool. sequence. and, and, and man, that whole scene where uh, is that, that that small, like I don't know, it's like 30 seconds, but Rooster realizes he has no more flares and he's being chased by a missile, yeah. oh, and then Maverick God. does that crazy vertical maneuver, or whatever, in his plane. Right, i breaks. Sound like such a yeah. idiot, the way I'm right. describing it, but yeah, he does that maneuver while releasing flares.
1: Oh, gosh,
0: beautiful action, story, and character. Just it's just oh. It, this is all this is what you want from an action movie right like all those things working together
1: and you can see that shot in the trailer which is why you don't want to watch trailers (laughs) to be fair i I went back
2: and looked at the not all the scenes in the trailer
1: (laughs) (laughs) for sure for sure yeah yeah i get it such an iconic shot like that like that shot is like that's that's millions of dollars right there yeah i I was (laughs) it's like so good
2: I was uh, I was uh, I was watching uh, God. Who is that reviewer? Um, Chris Stuckman. Chris Stuckman. I was watching his review and he yep. he had uh, made a funny comment about how like one of these shots is more than his costs is more than his 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 indie movie that he's making. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I, you know you got you gotta like you know it costs a lot of money to use you know F eighteen Hornets and you know or film on the carrier and all that sort of stuff. So yeah yeah totally that's amazing yeah
0: i i was so relieved when um you know it cuts to black and then we see uh maverick waking up in the snow i was like oh yes there's there's more movie there's there's still more movie after this and then and then we're treated like we thought that was crazy right that we thought the trench one was crazy and then there's yeah we have to survive in a I mean, that's the plane that he flew right in the original movie. Yeah, F you know, fourteen, F-14 F-14. yeah. I mean, he's got to he's got to take down fifth generation fighters in that ancient like relic.
2: Yeah. And- somehow it survived, and somehow <laughs> actually, I, I heard I don't know I have to check on it, but apparently Iran might have some F fourteen Tomcat. So an enemy having a, a a plane like that is probably not too out of reality. I have to double check mm. on that, but it, it, it's funny that it's like the only right it's like the only uh plane that survived the whole, yeah. the whole tomahawk bombing run so
0: oh hey um I, I gotta mention paul you you were wondering before any of us actually watched the movie like if there's gonna be tom cruise running and sure enough there's a scene oh, where he's, oh yeah he's running Heck, in yeah, the dude. snow <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like yeah. of course <laughs> he's got to put one in there
1: yeah there were multiple running scenes oh i mean how how could we forget the freaking football game Right, the, the football game on the beach. There's plenty of running, but uh, a, a little snippet of Tom Cruise running. I was, I was like, yes, this is all I need, dude.
0: I, I think it was too brief. Uh, <laughs> the, the one in the forest was like, it's that. that yeah, that's yeah one that, that one was definitely better. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. Yeah. Every but, movie although- needs some running.
0: Uh, although he didn't look as good because he had all this gear on him, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's not <laughs> wearing like, a can't see the arch
1: of the back, really. That's
0: yeah, right. Kind of like, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and he's
1: not yelling, "Zokai, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. That final sequence, I think, is one of the best video game adaptations I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you run out of missiles. Okay, switch the guns. And then you see the amount of bullets that's running through, like, how many bullets he has left. Yeah oh my gosh uh i don't know yeah i don't know who's responsible for just putting that together but it was just there's so much suspense and uh different obstacles that that you know that arise from that final sequence
1: yeah no i i totally agree with you because when they finished the bombing scene like i thought that was it i thought that was going to be like the the end of the film they you know they go home and then yeah tom cruise somehow makes his way back but then the moment when they're like we got to steal the f14 i was like dude yes dude yeah it's like 15 more minutes of glory man yeah yeah Yeah. i think
0: that's when the movie like jumped up scores for me like Mm -hmm. i was the trench one. i was like oh my gosh that was like satisfying but then i'm like there's more and then it's like even better than the trench one i'm like this is a freaking masterpiece
1: (laughs) And not only that, it's it's the culmination of uh, you know Maverick's partnership with right. Rooster. Yes, that's yeah. that's when they like truly yes. bond, and and it's yeah. like right. dude, the most like the best emotional payoff came from those last few scenes. Uh, I'm right. getting
0: emotional just talking about how good this movie is. <laughs> yeah, just like, this is everything that we want from a good action movie. Yeah,
2: yeah. the the part of Rooster sits in the back and becomes his Rio, kind of like how Goose was. Was was really really just man oh oh geez yeah, yeah and, and really even crazy. before
1: that yeah. like like before maverick's plane gets or before maverick's like uh about to get shot by the helicopter and then rooster comes in and, and blows it up Is like oh heck yeah dude <laughs> yeah and then hangman comes and saves the day too right? oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah right very satisfying at the yeah. end because yeah be, because when when he doesn't get chosen to be like the other the other. uh fighter plane you're kind of left wondering like oh you know they had such a charismatic character and they didn't do anything with him and then so at the end when the final uh enemy jet gets blown up i was like that's hangman dude i know for yeah, sure that yeah, that's 100
0: yeah,
1: yeah or yeah.
0: even when they were like pulling up i'm like well Hangman is going to come in like save <laughs> yeah he's <signed laughs> trying yeah. to
2: blind the the pursuing yeah, yeah. pilot yeah that that was that was just great honestly um yeah. Can we
0: can we talk about the carrier when they all get back? Like I love how Maverick does a flyby. Like in yeah, the, oh in the... yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just wish I just wish someone had a cup of coffee. On, and then right. <laughs>
1: probably, ha- probably like
2: a hazard now to burn yourself, coffee yeah. or shot or something.
1: But yeah, I wish it was yeah. the same guy. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh man, but uh, I I love. Uh, I mean, first of all, like, uh, H- hangman and rooster shaking hands, just like you know, very remis- reminiscent of the original film of uh, Maverick and Iceman. And then, and then we got the embrace between rooster and Maverick. Um, they didn't need to say anything, they really yeah. didn't need to say anything. And then, like, the emotions I mean, that's what the whole movie was building towards, right? The yeah. redemption of that relationship, and then. And then Maverick just has to go and say, Thank you for saving my life. And then Rooster sure just has to say, yeah, that's what my dad would have done. Yeah. Uh, that's when the freaking water works, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I-
2: interesting detail though, like when Phoenix tells Hangman hey, you've got two kills, but um, Maverick is now an ace because he has five, which means he hasn't actually been in air to air combat for that 30 something years right. between the True. first top gun and and this one. But yeah, that was that was pretty freaking awesome. And Man. then, uh, yeah, I guess the ending with with the whole sunset, playing in the sunset shot, just like the. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder how this scared. Is- J- yeah, yeah. 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 Jeffrey oh. Connelly. It was. I, you know, this is kind of when my 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 suspension of disbelief kind of starts faltering. Despite how crazy this movie is, is that there's no way. I I could be wrong. Navy captains, please feel free to correct me. There's no way <laughs> I think a navy captain on the salary could afford a P51 Mustang. That is a as a very expensive plane to get, it's sort of like you know one of the most famous plane, if not the most famous plane of all of World War Two, right? So, and to have it in that condition, and that's, I knew Tom, yeah. I, I knew Tom Cruise owned one. It, it, that that had been a rumor for many, many, many years, and apparently that actually was his P fifty one, the Mustang that he had in that
1: movie. Yeah, so, that's where the real world leaks in. Yeah, that's all you can't afford that.
2: Okay, <laughs> like, but, but Tom Cruise can. It. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> come on but it was great I mean, it was great to see that plane it, 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 it felt like a symbol for me that he's accepted his age he's fine with mm. you know just flying for fun and settling down and and going off to the sunset right yeah and just
1: that just that brief shot of him and rooster like working on the plane i was like oh my oh, heart, yeah my oh, heart man, is so yeah. full dude yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's
2: overflowing
0: <laughs> oh my gosh so yeah great.
2: yeah but yeah
0: all right, um, well, just wrapping this up. Um, do you think they should make another sequel to this or should they just leave it be?
2: Uh, I mean, maybe uh. they could just tell you if the other pilots that would be kind of interesting to see.
0: Like, like my like uh okay. Do you think they should make another movie based on those new pilots, or should they try to do uh, Paramount Plus?
2: Another movie. You can't you can't talk a maverick set the standard too high for how you're supposed to shoot these things yeah there's
1: you know? there's no way with a budget for streaming that they could do something equivalent or even slightly less good as top Gun maverick so it has to be a movie but honestly i'm so conflicted about that question because for one it is a viable option because tom cruise is getting older and these stunts are in a sense less taxing on his body i mean it's not like mission impossible he's like jumping from building to building and like destroying his ankles and stuff he's just he's in a plane which is also ironically like incredibly dangerous yeah Uh, but i feel like he could pull it off but at the same time like this movie uh, this movie has such a perfect ending so it's it's hard to say man
2: i mean here's what i think about it you know when it comes to sequels where the main character isn't as involved you know i I was highly, you know, skeptical of Creed until I saw it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's possible. Right. It's it's doable. It, you just have to have the right find the. It's it's a matter of time and you know what kind of talent is, is there, uh, and so we'll, I mean, nothing's impossible. And no pun intended. It's just you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I'm yeah. really curious actually about Creed Three because I Same think Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone's not involved anymore. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, right. yeah. Rocky's uh gone into the sunset, so yeah, I'm really curious to see how Adonis Creed, uh, Michael B. Jordan carries uh, that franchise. Yeah, I'm
2: a huge mm-hmm. fan of that franchise. I know, you know, even the Creed too. So oh, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. we'll
0: see. Well, Creed was just—I mean—that was a legacy sequel, like for the ages. Oh yeah, it was excellent,
2: and that was yeah. Stallone's best performance in years. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: He, I, he deserved to win the Oscar for that. I, yeah, I, I agree I too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mark Rylance, great actor, but... He I is, mean, too.
2: You're right. Daniel, why do you tell me Mark Rylance was the guy yeah. <laughs> who won it? Because he was very, very good, too. Well, I mean, it's one of those years, I guess, so...
0: I saw both movies. I saw Bridge of Spies. I saw Creed. I mean, dude, it was it was wow. Rocky, man. Rocky. I,
2: I really man. like
1: Bridge of Spies, too, though. <laughs> so I might have I, to rewatch that. Yeah. Because uh, I, I was not huge on Bridge of Spies.
0: All right, my my last and final question f- for both of you. <laughs> will Tom Cruise ever make a movie with Christopher Nolan?
1: Oh, because, my God. I dude. think he and will. The re-
0: and the reason why is because both both guys are so committed to, number one, the theatrical experience.
1: Yeah. Like, so
0: stubbornly committed. And number two, both both guys are so committed to doing everything practically, you know, yeah. in camera. So the... I feel like those styles both work together. But, I mean...
2: I mean... It's difficult. I, I can see them working together. And I also can't see them working together because mm-hmm. I think Tom Cruise likes to work with very good directors. That's his it time and time again uh, in his career. At the same time, though, I think when it comes to the big blockbuster type movies, he likes to be the driving force. Yeah. One, yeah. Right, behind yeah. everything. So,
1: yeah, I think him and Nolan are both a bit of a control freak. So, yeah. I think even though their visions align, it's just like I can just see them in like the writing room being like, I want to do it this way. No, I want to do it this way, you know, yeah, yeah. a lot of career differences. But but I truly hope that that happens one day. If 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 Tom Cruise needs like some extra organs, I, I can happily donate <laughs> to him. I'll take on his old ones. Uh, but yeah, I, I just feel like while he still has vigor left, while he still has that stamina. I really hope he makes something with Nolan because like you said, they both want a huge theatrical experience. They both want, you know, to do things practically. And I feel like the two of them, if they ever partner with each other, they could learn a lot from each other. And then, uh, you know, somehow maybe get Christopher McQuarrie involved too. Maybe uh, give, uh, help him uh, give Nolan some writing tips too. I think that would just benefit everyone all around, but
0: but uh-huh. yeah, but I think it's also funny because the way that Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie make movies is like the polar opposite from Christopher Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So I feel like they could all it, it could be a dumpster fire or they could all come out as like next level goats together. Yeah. But uh, man, and, yeah. I mean,
0: I, I thought of this because I mean, because of those two. A shared common attributes that both these guys have but also like you know when tenant came out in theaters during the pandemic in 2020 where no one was releasing movies right uh there's, there's this video of tom cruise going out to see tenant uh you in know london um, yeah in london yeah. right with chris Quarry right and it's like oh yeah so i'm like oh my gosh just freaking
1: get together and make something man yeah for sure yeah yeah and and even if that means that, you know, he, Tom Cruise has to take on less of like an action role and more of a dramatic role. I feel like that would fit Nolan's movie so yeah. well. Yeah. So right, right. he, he's such a, I mean, the truth of the matter is Tom Cruise is a real life protagonist. Like he has the main character energy and yeah, like he, right. he's just embodies everything about that kind of like star that stardom that, that like you said, is waning. Um, I mean, or we we talked about earlier uh this week in our um thread together like who is going to be the next action star to replace tom cruise when when it's all said and done and
2: mm.
1: it's just depressing yeah that's because the there, there's question. no one like him yeah yeah
2: So it's just the studios have have more and more power right now the technology yeah. and streaming has thrown everything on their side and and you know hollywood history has its ups and downs and it's it's been through those phases before so it'll be interesting to see how this goes in the long run yeah
0: yeah in the meantime just can't wait to see uh what more uh tom cruise and christian McQuarrie come up with thank you so much for tuning in to the week and foolish movie podcast we'll see you next time
1: we're not done yet
0: no the supreme leader is wise i'm sure you are blow that piece of junk out of the
2: sky